Amen. You can be seated. Well, we've had church tonight. Amen. No, just feel, just feel the presence of the Lord and so grateful for our worship team. I was chuckling a moment ago. Uh, I'm so grateful for Joe Williams. And uh, I don't know if you know Joe that, that much. I know he comes and helps lead. He helped lead uh, worship this morning downtown. Um, uh, and he, oftentimes at Cottage Hill, he just kind of rotates and just worships. But I was chuckling to myself because, Kathy, when we first moved back to Mobile, Joe was just a punk. Where are you, Joe? Where, where are you? Are, did, did, is there a, Joe's back there. Let's just let's give a praise for Joe. When I, when I met Joe, he was a punk kid. And now I, it just thrills my heart to see the call to ministry, God's hand is on him, and, uh, and he, he leads in worship. And I, it just blesses my heart. And then, uh, so I think about how old I am, that I knew him as a punk kid, and now he's leading me in worship. And then I was encouraged because I remember when I was a little boy, Growing up in Mobile, I would go to church and sometimes concerts, and I'd sit on my mama's lap, and I'd hear Sam Plasky and Tippins, you know, play, play their, their music. And so I, I'm encouraged by that, you know, uh, as old as they are, and I could, you know, hear them. And y'all, y'all will get that a little bit later on, okay? <laughs> Take your Bible tonight. Find the book of Psalms. Ought to be toward the middle of your Bible there. The book of Psalms, Psalm 92. Psalm 92. For the last several years, I just get along with the Lord and I ask the Lord for a word, a word for our church, Church of the Island, a word for me, a word for us. And a couple of months ago, I just kind of got away with the Lord. I had my Bible and uh, just was praying, Lord, I need a word for your church. What, what's the word? What's the theme for 2023 for our church, for me, for us? And I really feel very clear that the Lord spoke the word flourish to me. Flourish. That he wants our church in 2023, he wants our church, Church of the Island, to flourish in this new year, to thrive in this new year. And then for you and for me in every aspect of our life, for us to thrive. And so what we're going to do, and for the next several weeks, Pastor David and I, we're just kind of rotate and take turns, is we're just going to search the scripture and see how God wants us to thrive in these different areas, in our, in our faith, in our family, uh, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in our community, in our relationships, in these various areas, how God wants us to thrive. In fact, what you're gonna, you and I are going to look at tonight is kind of a, a key passage. It's really not just the key passage for our study but it's the key passage, kind of our theme for the year. We're putting our jackets on. We may need to adjust that. If we could, we're hanging, hanging meat in here tonight. I mean, I know it's like 80 degrees, but are you all cool, right? Yeah, shivering, right. I'm not preaching on hell tonight, so it's, you know. Um, our theme passage, Psalm 92. By the way, not only in these next several weeks, searching the scripture together about how we're to thrive in these different facets of life, but we're actually providing devotions for you. 
And uh, that I really feel like it would be encouraging each day if we're reading some of the same verses, praying some of the same prayers. And so you can go to the... uh, Church of the Island website. You can also go to the social media, Church of the Island social media. We've already posted day one, uh, 40 days to flourishing devotions. And the first one has already been posted. So before you go to bed tonight, take some time, read over that, and it'll give you some things to think about and pray. And we're going to do this for 40 days together, this journey together. And I think it'll just strengthen our our unity as a church and strengthen our faith. But I want us to look at our key passage. If you're new to Church of the Island, we stand for the reading of God's Word, that initial reading. So if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read it out loud. If you have your Bible open, follow along. The Scripture's also on the screen. Psalm 92, beginning in verse number 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I was reading some commentaries about that. said those cedars would reach up to 120 feet high and just the mass, the diameter on those, those cedars. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me encourage you to do something tonight. If you have something to write on or write with, if you take notes in your Bible or maybe if you have your phone or, or an iPad, you can use these little guest cards. There's some things that I'm going to show you tonight that I believe in many ways most people maybe most Christians are ignorant of. And it will absolutely, radically change your life. Uh, If you know me very well, you know that I just love sports. I love most every kind of sports. I love athletics. What I particularly like is when you see on those occasions, those rare people that are, it's almost as if, not, not to take away from their training or their discipline, but it's almost like they were made for that sport. Let me give you an example. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps not only won so many Olympic medals, but he actually has the Olympic record, broke the Olympic record for having won the most Olympics. He has 28 medals. And uh, he has the the Olympic record on the most gold medals, 23. Now, if you remember seeing him swim, what's interesting about Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps is six foot four, 194 pounds. Six foot four. His wingspan, if you were to to measure your, your wingspan, generally for most everyone, it's the same as your height. But his wingspan is six foot seven. He has this incredibly long torso. His his feet are size 14s, and he can hyperextend his ankles. Not only that, he has this, this incredibly long torso. His legs, he only has a 30 inch inseam. Experts say that Michael Phelps was made to swim how he was built. And of course, swimming is what he he did. 
It's incredible, those rare people that's almost like they were made to do that particular thing. What I want you to see tonight is that God made you and made me to thrive, to flourish. We were created to thrive. Uh, the, the original plan of God. Now, I know that when you and I look around and we see the defeat and we see the devastation and we see the, the brokenness all around us, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, like that, that, that we were made to flourish. But God's original plan was for us, mankind, to flourish. What you and I are living in now, we're living in a time in which we're looking at a mirror, a reflection of ourselves, but it's like a mirror that's been broken. And so what we're seeing of ourselves is, is a shattered image, a disfigured image. We, we can see this is, this is how we're supposed to be maybe, but it seems disfigured. And what, I, what we're seeing today is that people, a thousand different ways, they try to repair or fix that broken image. And they try it a thousand different ways, and they ultimately come up short. Or they just simply accept their brokenness. But what I want you to see tonight is that you were made to thrive. You were made to flourish, and you were redeemed to flourish. Now, we need in order for us to begin this journey over the next several weeks of seeing how we are to thrive in every area of our life, we need to go back and see what was lost so they can point us in the right direction so we can better understand how to regain it and how to move forward in that road to flourishing. So I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis. Find the book of Genesis. And the first thing that I want you to write down that's on the screen is that you were created to flourish. That's the first thing that you need to know and understand. You were created to flourish. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, says this. And then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God himself, with his own hands, formed, fashioned mankind, humanity, with his own hands out of the dust of the ground and breathed life into the man. Now, Turn back a, a couple of pages to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what we have in the very beginning, God fashioned, God formed man, Adam, Eve. The Bible says this, after his own image, after his own image. And when he created man in the garden, in the very beginning, he created man with a purpose. 
As a matter of fact, I believe in the passage that you and I just read for specific purposes. And it's very important that you understand these. The first, I want you to write down the word identity. Identity. We are to reflect God's image. It says that again and again that we are created in his image. God is a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are triune beings. Body, soul, spirit. We are created after his image. He says, let us make man in our image. We are to bear God's image to the rest of creation. Adam and Eve were to reflect God's God to the rest of creation. That's the purpose, right? That is the purpose. God had the angels, but he desired more, right? And so we represent God's wisdom, God's plan, God's authority, all right? Number one, identity. You and I are image bearers. We're image bearers. We're to bear the image of God to the rest of creation. Number two, dominion. Dominion. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, that they were to exercise heavenly authority. It says back there in verse number 26, and then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion, authority over all of creation. It goes on to say in verse number 28, it not only uses the word dominion, but it says subdue it, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. There's this authority. You see, Adam and Eve were to bring government and order over the entire earth. They were to subdue the rest of creation. In fact, picture it this way. There was the garden. Here's Adam. Here's Eve. They've been given authority. They are image bearers, and they are to expand the boundaries of heaven, I mean, of the garden to the rest of the earth as they exercise authority and dominion and subdue it. The next, family. Family. It says they're to be fruitful. Uh, fruitful and multiply. Family is always at the center of God's plan for everything. For everything, the need for connection, the need for intimacy, the need for companionship. What did he say when, when he, after he created Adam? It's not good for man to be what? To be alone. And so he created uh, the helpmate. He created Eve. It's interesting that the very first institution brought into being was family. Family. Number four, destiny. Destiny. And what I mean by that is a divine partnership, a divine partnership. There are some who believe there was a creator and that God created everything and then you just kind of set it into motion and then just stepped back. There's a reference, there are some who believe in what's called the absentee God, that God as creator created and then just stepped back and let everything go. The, the idea is that, that God created as a watchmaker. He created the watch, he wound it up, and then just let it be. But that's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that God 
Our Heavenly Father as Creator is involved in every aspect of creation, every aspect of, of your life and my life. He, he desires that relationship. He, he wants that. In fact, really what we see in Scripture, do you remember in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the fact that they heard God walking, they heard, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the, in, the, in the garden in the cool of the day. That was the regular practice. They would walk with God, experience his presence. So this expanding of the boundaries of the garden, this, this exercising of authority, the plan was this, for Adam and Eve to have children, and for their children to have children, and their children's children to have children, and that for generation and generation is that they would know God, experience God, and love God in partnership with God, exercising dominion and authority, reflecting the image of the Creator. That was the original plan. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Fourfold purpose of man. Genesis chapter 3, the enemy shows up. Lucifer, the serpent, Satan. Lucifer was the angel kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels the fallen angel, the one, the rebellious one, fell because of one thing, pride, right? He brings his pride. That, that's his number one tool in, the, in his toolbox, right? Number one tool in his playbook is pride. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. One of the first things that, that the devil tries to do in your life and my life, the strategy is the same what he did with Eve, is to cause you to question the word of God. Did God really say that? So see, Eve's mind in her own business. Oh, Lucifer, our enemy, our adversary, he, he slithers up there next to Eve. Eve, dear, Eve, darling. Did God, really, did God really say that? Next verse. And the woman said to the servant, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, first of all, God never said that he couldn't touch it. But what the enemy is doing is that he is seeking to lure and deceive Eve using pride. First of all, to question. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Pride. Eve, number one, question. Question what God says. Question his word. Number two, Eve, God's holding out on you. God's holding back. He's holding back. From, he, there's, there, there's some things that are better. As a matter of fact, God doesn't want you to be like him. And you can be like him. See, pride. The, the enemy will want you to think that God is holding back from you, his best from you. Remember I told you our primary purpose is, is identity? 
So he says to Eve, I need you to question your identity. So you, you can actually be like God. So what happened? Deceived. Pride. Questioning God in his word. Questioning our identity. Believing that God's holding, holding back. And so what happens? They fall. They, they, they yield to that temptation. Both Eve and Adam. And we read next the curse, right? We read about the curse. We read about the curse in, um, in Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse number 17. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall eat, not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There is the curse. Ultimately, there's not only the, the curse, but they are ultimately the final blow they are escorted from the garden. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has come. The man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of, garden, east of, the, east of the garden of Eden, and he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned away to guard the way to the tree of life. And so now Adam and Eve are now banished. They had freedom. They were to flourish. They had authority. They had dominion. They had this intimate relationship with the Father, and now they're cursed and they're banished. No longer free, no longer flourishing, now slaves to sin. That's the bad news. But the truth is, we were originally created to flourish. The word gospel means good news. So let me give you the good news tonight. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus, to live, to die, in order that everything that was lost in the garden could be reclaimed. Two words I want you to write down in your notes. I want you to write down the word redeemed. And I want you to write down the word restore. Write down the word redeem and the word restore. The very reason Jesus came was to redeem what was stolen, what was taken, what was lost in the garden, and to restore it. There's so much that I want to give you. We've got nine minutes, so I'm going to speak fast, and you need to listen fast. I believe probably the greatest sermon that Jesus preached on this topic of redeeming and restoring is found in the story of the lost son. We know it as the parable of the prodigal son. 
Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling the story. Jesus is illustrating what I'm teaching tonight because Jesus knows the heart of the Father. He knows the intent of the Father. The intent and the heart of the Father is to restore that which is lost, to redeem and to restore. So he tells this story. He says there was a boy who took, he took that authority, he took that wealth, took and he squandered it. He wasted it and he lost it. And he ultimately became broken and he lost everything. And he, and he found himself without anything in a pig mire. But he came to his senses and he thought to himself, you know, even the servants back in my father's home have it better than I do. Because I have squandered and lost everything. So he comes up with a plan that he's going to go back to his father and he's going to ask for forgiveness and hope that he can at least become a servant because he'd still be better off. So the Bible says that he gets up and he heads home, reciting in his mind this speech. Let's fast forward. Luke chapter 15, verse number 20. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. So here's the picture. I believe that the father every day would go out and look for his son because he so wants to redeem and restore his son. Every day he goes out and looks. And on one occasion he goes out and he's looking and at a great distance he sees an image. He sees somebody because he so knows his son, he recognizes the gait, the walk of his son. That's my boy. And he runs out. He does something very, very against custom in, in Middle East. He girds himself up and he runs out to his son. His son is trying to give him his little speech, but his father won't even give him a chance and he, and he embraces him. And the Bible says he, kiss, he kisses him. But here's what you need to understand in the Greek. He covers him with kisses. It's not just that he kissed him, but he covered him with kisses. Next verse. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be son. He's, he's, he's going over his speech. Father interrupts him, says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found and they began to celebrate. Amen. He gives him, and this is key, he gives him a fresh robe, a new ring, clean sandals. And these items that he gives his son is a beautiful picture, a perfect parallel of what was lost in the garden. So let's talk about it very quickly. What we got? We got five minutes. You ready? The robe. First of all, the robe. You got to write down the robe. He had rags. And he says, bring him a new robe. You and I, the Bible says this about you and I, the best of who we are, the best is but filthy, dirty rags. 
when it comes in comparison to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But when you and I place our faith and our hope in him, we are clothed, robed in his righteousness. Watch this. Write this down. Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 10. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and has draped me in the robe of what? righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. No longer wearing the filthy robes of our sin and our selfishness, but when we trust Christ, the Bible says his righteousness is credited to our account that we are clothed, we are robed in his righteousness, the robe. Number two, the ring, dominion, authority. To wear the signet ring was to like today, have the power of attorney, a symbol of wealth. You could delegate wealth. You, you, could, you could sign contracts. Authority, wealth. He says to his son, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. Put a ring on him. My son, you, listen, you're not my servant. You're my son. And so I'm giving you back all the authority of my name and who I am, who I am and what I have is now yours again. Um, Adam had, we saw this, right? Adam had dominion. Adam had the authority. God gave it to him. But you know what? Adam lost it. Satan deceived him. Satan has it. As a matter of fact, you remember when... Um, when Jesus uh, was tempted and Satan said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this, all the kingdoms, right? All, but why? Because Satan, he's the ruler. He has dominion, authority. Until after the resurrection. And Jesus gathered his followers in Matthew chapter 28 and he gathers them all together and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go. He empowers them. Now you go, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore, make disciples. You, you, you now have the authority, the dominion. We have authority, watch this, to speak to demons. The robe, the ring, I, I love this identity. I love this identity. We, we are meant to live as sons and daughters. One last thing. There's the robe. There's the, the ring. There's the sandals. The poor couldn't afford sandals in the Middle East. Rugged, dry Middle Eastern soil. The sandals are a symbol of, an, of a, a new beginning, a new walk, a fresh start. The sandals are a picture of grace. 
a picture of grace. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. A new beginning, a fresh start. Son, put sandals on him. Fresh start, son. Fresh beginning. Last thing, we're done. Because we can't miss this. The feast. The feast. Kill the fatted calf. My son. I've redeemed him. I've restored him. Let's celebrate. Here's what he's saying to his son. Son, you're not living with the servants. You're living under my roof as my son, as my child. I'm going to tell you what the enemy, I'm going to tell you what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants you to think that everything you are looking for and everything you think you need is found in the wilderness. Even Christians today are looking for fulfillment. They think they can thrive. They think they can flourish by the things in the, found in the wilderness. Everything you need to thrive. The party, the real party, is at the Father's house. That's where the party is. Never, never settle for things offered in this wilderness. So over these next weeks, we're going to learn together about living in the garden, thriving in the Father's house, flourishing. Let's pray together. Bow your head with me. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And they're going to lead us in a, in a brief time of worship, and then we'll be dismissed. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. What's the area in your life, what's the area that maybe needs to be repaired, restored? What's broken? Is it a relationship? Is it, is it physical in nature? Is it emotional in nature? What about feelings of loneliness, fear, discouragement, depression. It may be emotional. It may be physical. It may be financial. It may be relational. What is it in which there needs to be redemption, restoration? I'm going to ask Pastor David to come. Here's what I want us to do in these next moments. I want us to spend the next few moments in prayer and in praise. The altar is open for you to come. You can kneel and pray right where you are. You can pray at this altar. But why don't you pray that God would show you the area in your life in which he really wants to redeem and restore, that you may flourish. There may be an area you already know and you would say, God, in this area in my life, God, I want to thrive in this new year. And God, I need you to show up. I need you to do it. There may be someone here tonight that you are the prodigal son or you are the prodigal daughter. And it's time to come home and it's time for you to be redeemed and restored. 
There's, some, there's someone here tonight, I trust this, needs a fresh beginning, a fresh start. Needs some new sandals. Would you pray tonight that we would learn in these coming days to exercise authority, spiritual authority in our lives? If you would like Pastor David, he's a prayer warrior. If you would like Pastor David to pray with you or for you, he would love to do that in the next moments. You can pray right where you are. You can kneel at this altar. It's entirely up to you. But in these next moments... Let's pray. Let's praise. In fact, go ahead and stand with me as I lead us. I'm asking, Pastor David's already here. In fact, as I'm praying, if you feel led, you come. Or if you want to kneel and pray where you are, you can do that as I'm praying now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we saw tonight. That you created us, Heavenly Father, to thrive, to flourish. Our identity is in you, intimacy with you, to rule and to reign with you, family, fruitfulness. And God, we know that it was lost, but Lord Jesus, you came that we may regain what was taken. So tonight, Lord, we wanna wanna walk in the spirit We want to walk in your presence. We want to walk empowered by you. God, there's some here tonight, the enemy has taken some things from them. And God, we want to pray tonight in authority that what the enemy has taken, you give back. And so, Lord, in these these weeks, we pray that we hear from you and we grow in our church, we flourish. And every man, every woman, every marriage, every family, every relationship represented here tonight, Lord. So, Lord, in these moments, you're going to hear us cry out to you. Continued prayer, continued praise. We lift our voices. Hear us tonight, Lord. Hear us tonight. In Jesus' name.